0: hi, everyone. I'm Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great as we wind down 2021. What a year it has been. Not as good as we had hoped for in those early months of the year, mostly due to the new variants of COVID and the fact that we have a large contingency of anti-vax zombies in this country have prevented us from getting to the high levels of herd immunity that would really have tampered the pandemic down to much lower levels. Of course we have ongoing fascism as the Republican party becomes a straight out proto-fascist death cult. We have the climate emergency raging and a host of other issues going on. So not not all great news. I'm not super sad to get 2021 in the rearview mirror. But one thing we should all be thankful for is that Joe Biden is president. He is a decent, smart man with a great team, and the country is infinitely better with him at the helm than if the racist sociopath had won or stolen the 2020 election. I want to be clear here that I'm not making an argument about a lesser of two evils. This is an argument between good and evil. The Democratic Party, for all its imperfections, all its hypocrisies, all its troubles, is a decent, sane, and good party. And the Republican Party is a fascist death cult. So even if the Democrats don't have the power that they need to get as much stuff done as we want, even if they're compromised, even all that, at the end of the day, their intentions are largely good, They are largely doing good things, and it is just a whole lot better than the alternative. So I want to take this episode to really assess Biden's first year, and then I'll end with some New Year's resolutions that are somewhat related to the tasks at hand. And I want to start with Biden's record on foreign policy. Let's start with the Paris Climate Agreement. Biden got us back into that. If he had not been president... We would be out of the Paris Climate Agreement now, and the chance for international climate negotiations moving forward would have been dealt a severe blow, perhaps a fatal blow. Obviously, the COP26 in Glasgow didn't achieve everything that we wanted, but the U.S. is back in the game. That's huge. Progress is being made. Big win on that. Biden got us out of Afghanistan. Big, huge congratulations on that. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in Afghanistan. There's a lot of bad repercussions from that. I don't want to be cavalier about that. I don't want to ignore that. But the the decision to leave Afghanistan was correct. It was the right one after $2 trillion in 20 years. And more importantly, the fact that after 20 years, we were supporting a thoroughly corrupt government that was oppressing, murdering, and raping. Huge swaths of its populations in the rural areas, not in the cities where women were going to school and where things were reasonably developed, but in the countryside, in the rural areas, it was just utter terrorism and and it was just nothing that we could possibly support, which is why the Taliban had so much support. It was so easy for them to retake the country. When you have a country that is so corrupt, a government that is so corrupt, that 70% of the citizens think that actually the Taliban was better, you know, that's something that we cannot support anymore. So huge kudos to Biden for getting us out of Afghanistan. One thing that's gone largely unnoticed is that he has actually largely ended the drone wars. So if you look at the rate of drone attacks under Obama, and under the former president, um, they were very large. And yet, Now they've gone almost down to zero. So this is huge. Biden has single-handedly, you know, almost completely ended the drone wars where we're killing thousands of innocent civilians in just a really reckless use of military power that, to be honest, I used to think under Obama was justified um, because I thought it's definitely better than invading countries. And maybe some of the attacks that Obama um, engaged in were justified, but the, the overall process after 20 years was clearly corrupt and counterproductive, and I'm glad Biden has ended that. On China, not super happy with Biden in the sense that he's continued a lot of the rhetoric of the Trump team and a lot of the kind of bellicosity towards China. Look, China is not a good actor. Look, they're a competitor. But let's tone down the rhetoric, okay? No one wants a fighting war with China. We need to cooperate on pandemics and the climate emergency. We have much more to lose by not cooperating with China than cooperating with them. So, again, not super happy with the China stuff. Not horrible, but not great. Ukraine is interesting. You know, we see Russia amassing troops at the border, looking like they're going to invade Ukraine again. And here, I think Biden has largely done well. He's threatened some very serious sanctions against Russia. He's getting our allies together um, to you know, really make clear to Putin that there'll be serious consequences if he invades. The one thing I'll say that people on the kind of more right wing of the kind of foreign policy establishment have taken him to task for is that he kind of took things off the table. He said under no circumstances would we get into a military confrontation with Russia. He hasn't said that he would give weapons to the Ukrainians. And here, I kind of want to agree with these people on the right for the simple fact that these words, leaving, it, leaving Putin guessing, seems to me like wise. He could just say, hey, we're the United States. We leave all options on the table. We'll see how things develop. I mean, Biden in his heart of hearts could know that he would never commit troops to Ukraine. And maybe even not sell them a lot of new weapons systems. But why take it off the table? It's kind of like the the Democrats are always negotiating with themselves. I think it's better to leave, you know, lunatics like Putin guessing and say, hey, we reserve all rights. If Russia, you know, uh, invades Ukraine, which is an illegal, unlawful act, we reserve, you know, the right to do whatever we want in response. I thought that would have been better. So I think Biden unilaterally kind of taking some of the harsher things off the Table was just foolish, just rhetorically, from a negotiation strategy. So you know that's pretty busy foreign policy agenda for you know less than a year in. And overall, I would give Biden you know a B plus, A minus, not perfect. Again, think some of the rhetoric more than anything, but his actual you know decisions on Paris, on um, Afghanistan, on the drone wars definitely a. And then China, Ukraine, you know, maybe B. So we average it out kind of B plus, A minus. So that's not too bad compared to the F minus that the former administration was getting. Just, you know, literally um, doing everything in their power to destabilize the world at every level. So when I come back after the break, I want to talk about the domestic front. Uh, But again, before that, I just want to reiterate how thankful we should all be that Biden is president. Just remember that. as as bad as this year still is, as bad as things still are, as much as this is still a tough moment, let's just be thankful that we have Joe Biden as president. And so today, my world, it smiles. Your hand in mine, we walk the miles. But thanks to you, it will be done. For you to me are the only one. All right, yeah. happiness no more to say. Happiness on the Okay, so moving on to domestic policy, I want to leave the demise of the Build Back Better bill, which Manchin just put a stake through its heart last weekend on Fox News of all places. I wanna come back to that in a few minutes because I think it's first important to note the huge successes in 2021 that came before these latest developments. In the spring, Biden passed the American Rescue Plan uh, that had huge economic stimulus for the majority of Americans, greatly expanded the child tax credit, which greatly reduced child poverty and really helped jump the economy into gear here. That was a great, huge win, great progressive victory. He followed that up in the fall with the bipartisan, bipartisan infrastructure bill signing. That's a $1.2 trillion Decade bill to rebuild, you know, a lot of the infrastructure roads and bridges, but also replace all the lead pipes in the entire country to put in, you know, tens of thousands of electric charging stations to bring broadband to rural communities, do a lot on the environmental justice front. Right. So this was a big win. It's not the climate bill that we need to, you know, deal with the climate emergency. But Obama had tried for an infrastructure bill and failed. The former guy tried and failed. Biden got it done. This is good economic stimulus. It's a good bill given that it was bipartisan and had Republican votes. It was a pretty progressive bill all in all. I was pretty impressed at how generally when we do bipartisan stuff these days, it's shitty because the Republicans, you know, in order to vote for something, it has to be really bad. But this was actually a pretty solid bill, a huge win. And again, give him big credit for getting that done. So far, Biden is getting lots of federal judges in. Of course, these aren't at the Supreme Court level, um, where we're under, you know, a 6-3 right-wing extremist majority. But at the lower levels, which are still very important, he's getting a huge number of judges in. They're very diverse. They're the most female and people of color, you know, in really in generations and probably in American history, if you look in totality. So that's great. We want to keep that going. While not directly from his leadership, you know, the January 6th committee is going strong. They're getting, you know, pretty intense there. Clearly, they are not backing down. They're going for the jugular here, whether they'll actually be able to get Trump and the people at the top, which is obviously what we need to do because we have, you know, coup plotters who are still walking free. Um, You know, it's still great to see, you know, some serious momentum on that case. Um, most of his agencies are staffed with very competent people from the, you know, Deb Holland at the Department of Interior to Pete Buttigieg as the Department of Transportation. Um, and, you know, they're doing great work and they're going to be implementing, you know, the bipartisan infrastructure bill with really a progressive vision, which is awesome. On a kind of smaller note, you know, I think it was very much the right decision by Biden to renominate. Um, Powell to the Federal Reserve. Powell has been a great Federal Reserve chairman, really emphasizing full employment and being tolerating higher inflation because he wants workers to get leverage and to get jobs, and he's not going to pull the brakes on a recovery until he sees full employment. He's been outstanding, and that was great to renominate him. Biden has made some decent steps at reducing student loans for people with disabilities, totally you know, forgiving those loans completely. More needs to be done here. And I do think Biden has been too timid here. He should at least, you know, forgive 10,000s of student loans for everybody or at least everybody under some certain income level. One area where his record isn't great at all, and in fact, I think is probably the most challenging, is on immigration. It just seems like Democrats are scared to go, you know, progressive on immigration for fear that they're going to be called out by the right wing, even no matter what they do, they're going to be called out by the right wing, right? Obama, they called him the deporter in chief because he departed so many people. And unfortunately, Biden is continuing some of the really crazy Trump era policies. He had to be pushed really hard to extend the asylum quotas. That's one good bright spot that we're going to have a lot more people seeking asylum in the United States, many of them. Afghan refugees, but not exclusively. Obviously, the existential stuff for our democracy is voting rights and these voting rights bills—the kind of um, you know Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. These are hard to do, right? When you have no room for error in the Senate, and you got Mansion and Cinema and perhaps others not wanting to change the filibuster. So I don't know what Biden can do on this score. But he hasn't given up. He's still pushing it. And I give him credit for keeping it at the top of the agenda. And his Department of Justice has, um, you know, doubled the number of kind of attorneys in their voting and civil rights division. They're suing Texas and other places that are doing, you know, kind of unconstitutional and racist gerrymandering. Although when I say unconstitutional, that's based on sanity. The Supreme Court very well might say, hey, racism, that's fine as long as it benefits Our team. One other area where I don't think Biden has been strong enough is really calling out the GOP fascists. I mean, he needs to call what happened in 2020 a coup and say that we have people who attempted and failed a coup. We need to stop their next coup. Maybe it's just a timing issue here. They want to get the legislative agenda done. They want the January 6th committee to wrap up its work. But I think he really needs to remind people that the Democrats are the only things standing between America and fascism. And I hope that argument will become very prominent in 2022 as the midterms heat up. It's kind of amazing that we're less than a year out from a fascist coup and people, it's kind of like in the rearview mirror for a lot of people. So with that being said, I want to move on to the latest machinations with the Build Back Better bill. For, you know, refresher, this is really... The signature Biden agenda. This is the increases in social spending, healthcare, child tax credits, pre K, and the big thing from my standpoint hundreds of billions in investments for the climate emergency. And so this is really the big deal. The other stuff Biden has done is great. I don't want to belittle it, but if we're really going to make progress, we need some version of the Build Back Better bill passed. And unfortunately, this year is ending on a very disappointing note, with Joe Manchin, Cole Barron Senator from West Virginia, going on Sunday Fox News to effectively kill the bill. Now, before getting into details here, I want to do note that Manchin left the door open to starting over and passing something. And I think everybody needs to take a, take a deep breath and calm down over the holidays so that we can get back to work in January. We are lucky to have Manchin in the D column at all, and he usually comes through, right? He he voted yes on the American Rescue Plan, voted yes on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I do not like Joe Manchin. I wish he was not our Democratic Senator from West Virginia. I think he's compromised. I think he's vain. I think he's largely ignorant. But he's in our column and he's the only thing between us and Mitch McConnell as Senate Majority Leader. And if we push him too far and he switches parties, that is a big disaster. So we have to keep him on board. That means we can vent a little now, call him names, be frustrated, but tone it down quick and let things settle and come back ready to work productive. And, and I will even go further to say that he has a few decent points about the Build Back Better bill. Um, it's they're outlined in a Slate article that I'll put in the show notes. And basically his contention is, is that the Democrats should just take a few key priorities, pay them out over the 10 years instead of trying to cram everything in at different expiration windows so that it puts everything in jeopardy. And again, I think these are legitimate points. The key beef I have with them is how he stabbed Biden and the Democrats in the back on Fox News and gave the Republicans all kinds of talking points, right? That's just wrong. His criticism should have been done in back rooms and directly one-on-one with Biden and Schumer and Pelosi, right? Don't air the dirty laundry out in front of everybody on Fox News. There was no reason for him to go out like that. And it was just petty and vindictive and just pathetic. So I'm not going to forgive him that. But again, bottom line is, you know, there's too much riding on this. We have to come back and pass something. So I don't know what the chances are going forward. We're going to know, I'd say, by February at the latest, right? Um, I think the key is our progressives who have every right to be angry going to just chill out and accept a few things and basically let Manchin write the bill, basically. Maybe they force him to put in more climate stuff than he's really comfortable with. But basically, they have to realize Manchin has all the leverage. He doesn't care if no bill gets passed. They do, right? They need to meet him where it's at. It's that simple. And again, I'm not happy about this. I wish we had taken out that fucking traitor Susan Collins in Maine, or won the, the North Carolina Senate seat. So we didn't have to deal with fucking Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and their bullshit, right? But we did it. And we need their votes. And that's just reality. And so as the adults in the room, we need to make sure that we don't piss them off so much that there's nothing that they would vote for. So if we can come back in early 2022 and get some of this stuff done, especially the climate stuff and some tax credits. That will be another big win for Biden. And we can go into the midterm strong. So again, I don't know what the odds are, but the best case scenario is a pared down bill with some strong climate and progressive stuff in it. Not, not anything close to what we'd originally wanted, but stuff that we can at least be proud of. So overall on the demo, you know, domestic front, I give Biden about a B plus um, and if something in the Build Back Better framework that's significant passes in the next couple months, I'll up that to an A because that will be a seriously successful Democratic agenda. So after I get back from the break, the antidote will include some New Year's resolutions suggestions. Okay, well, the highlight for me in 2021 was no doubt the birth of my daughter Lila, who is a really happy, sweet baby. She gets it. I think she gets the plot, which is try to be as joyous as you can and know that life is basically absurd, but you know, just smile and go with it. And uh, I'm very thankful for her. On the health front, it's been a tough year. It's probably been the toughest year of my life. I enjoyed you know pretty much perfect health for the first half century um and then this year i had you know three surgeries one quite major two back-to-back that weren't as major but when you have back-to-back surgeries it takes a lot out of you and you know there's nothing i could have done with respect to my lifestyle to change having a genetic mutation that led to a tumor in my pancreas And there's nothing I could have done to prevent open surgery from leading to a hernia. You know, I was very easy on myself and, uh, you know, took time to recover. But what I can say is the fact that I take very good care of myself, that I exercise a lot, that I eat really well, my recoveries have been really remarkable. They've been much quicker than anticipated. And, you know, that is a blessing. So as much as having multiple surgeries is going to take a lot out of you, I'm very happy that, I have a good foundation of health to then help me bounce back. And the reason I, you know, I want to start with that is because, you know, this year has made me realize the obvious once again, which is that health is everything, right? If you don't have your health, you have nothing. And especially for the long fights that we all need to stay engaged in to beat back fascism, to get real climate policy and give us a fighting chance to save the other species on the planet to fight racial injustice. We need our health. We need our strength. And again, while I couldn't change my genetics, I've done a lot in my life that I can have agency over through my actions, my diet, my exercise, my stress levels that have helped keep me in the game and will hopefully keep me in the game for a lot longer. And so I want to end this with some suggestions for you for your New Year's resolutions which is to make some improvements in your health if you know if that's something that you feel you know would be beneficial to you. If you're just a rock star on the health, you know, dimension then you know you don't need to hear this. But most of us probably have one or two dimensions that we could use some improvement in. And I want to end this by saying, you know, outlining the tips from BJ Fogg's Behavior Design Lab at Stanford. And this is, these three tips are really crucial in making resolutions that stick, that aren't just things you look back on and go, yeah, didn't do that. That, that would have been nice, but didn't do that. So here they are. First, make your recommendation, your resolution specific. So you don't say, I want to eat healthy. You say something like, I want to eat some greens every day, or I want to drink a vegetable juice every day. You want to make them incremental, right? So it's not, I'm going to get into the best shape of my life. I'm going to run a marathon. But it's, hey, I want to walk 40 minutes a day. I want to jog 10 miles a week. Again, specific and incremental. And then you need to trigger. You need to do something in your life that will trigger this behavior. So let's say I want to, you know, walk 40 minutes a day. So you set your alarm 40 minutes earlier every morning to give you that 40 minutes to walk. And you're woken up 40 minutes earlier, you get up, you have your jogging shoes by your bed, you get up, you do that 40 minute walk. Let's say it's, I want to eat more vegetables. You sign up for that CSA, community supported agriculture box, and you, um, you, know, you get those vegetables and you make sure to eat them. You, um, you get a, a subscription for a fresh juice service. And, uh, you know, brings you fresh vegetable juice every day or you put it on your grocery list, your weekly grocery list to buy, a, you know, a big thing of you know organic vegetable juice, something that trigger the behavior. So, again, let me refresh. You want a specific behavior, not generic. You want it to be incremental, something that's not going to be a huge burden to do. And then you need to make a change in your life that's going to trigger that behavior so it becomes habitual. And if you can do that, you can usher in 2022 with an improvement in your health to give you that strength to not only enjoy your life and your family and your career, but to keep you engaged in these fights that we all need to be engaged in. So with that, everybody, I hope you all stay safe. Have happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Festivus. And of course, Happy New Year. I will see you in 2022 and we'll keep the fight going.